Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Folland. Welcome to another one. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by Freelancer Magazine, helping you grow a freelance business you love, sharing inspirational stories from freelancers around the world, freelance-specific business advice, practical tips, trends, events, and lifestyle features. Freelancers across 25 countries are already subscribed to Freelancer Magazine. Make yourself one of them at freelancermagazine.co.uk and... You'll be swelling those sweet glossy pages before you know it. Thanks very much to Freelancer Magazine. Right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance. For illustrator and arts educator, Freda Lanker. I have a, a little bit of a tendency to like anything that I start as a creative project becomes a project and not just like a hobby. So I'm trying to like teach myself to like restrain myself a little bit more with that. Sometimes it's good to just like meet people and then if you need more time to either just work on your own practice and figure out what you want to do, then I think that's a good thing. And just getting a rejection first doesn't mean that they don't want to hear from you in the future. Ask, oh, can I get an extended deadline? Because most of the time people will say, yes, it's fine, of course. Deadlines are just made up dates and they don't actually mean anything. That's kind of like the truth. Deadlines doesn't exist, really. Yeah, there's Freda, whose real name is actually Frederick Anderson, but Freda Lanka is the name you may well know from Instagram or online with his work. Um, so fun, colourful, very funny, often exploring queer culture and sex and being part of the queer community. The work he does for young LGBTQ plus people is amazing. It's something that we talk a lot about, so that coming up very soon indeed. Actually, I find it interesting, you know, like another freelancer who finds success in, I guess, you know, like sticking to what they believe in, their values. And that brings them success, not just through work, but also through how they feel about it as well. And we've had a few like that already this season, like Greg and Ray and Ashwin. Go back, listen to them if you haven't already. Anyway, Fred's story coming up in a moment. Just to remind you, if you're new to freelancing or maybe you're in your first year, don't figure it all out yourself. Check out the course at beingfreelance.com. It's literally made for you. And if you have any questions about it, just reach out to me on online won't you also we've got the book club coming soon next book we're reading is keep going it's all about staying creative in good times and bad details at the website and that's not just with me or you but with your bffs your being freelance friends in the being freelance community come and join us loads of freelancers from around the world hanging out together all the details at beingfreelance.com right now though let's chat to freelance illustrator and arts educator freda lanka hey freda hello <laughs> as ever how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance so how i started being freelance is that i was living in sweden and uh, I come from like a part quite like north in Sweden, didn't really know what to do. But my town just happened to have like a set design degree. So I actually studied set design before for two years. Um, and in that course, you go on like internships, but also like after you kind of do a lot of like free labor as an intern uh, where you learn quite a lot of things. But now when I think about it, I think that's kind of like messed up and I wouldn't really like suggest that people do work for free because that's not really fair mm. um but I did learn quite a lot of things there that prepared me for my life that I have now uh because I eventually started getting like paid work uh I moved to Stockholm lived there for three years and kind of like maintained a freelance life there working on different productions uh kind of learning how to handle budgets and project planning and stuff 
Um, normally now when I work with people, they tell me that I have an exceptional logistical mind compared to like a lot of other illustrators that they work with when it comes to ah. time management and planning, yeah. um, which I guess is a good thing <laughs> in many ways. <laughs> so I guess like when I started, decided to like change careers, I moved to London, studied here, did a BA in illustration at Camberwell College of Arts. So when I was in school there, I was kind of already like prepared for what life was going to be after. It was just going to be different kind of jobs than movies, but the same idea of like invoicing and keeping track of your finances and the taxes were kind of already there as a base. So when I graduated now here, like I kind of worked at a cafe for a bit and like did some jobs on the side and eventually just took it quite slow until I was like ready to just go full time. And then, you know, I had I felt quite prepared at the time, I guess. So you were prepared in knowing how to run that business, but you can't go invoicing people unless you get clients. So yeah. how did you get those first clients? I guess I took some time after uni because we had, I don't know if you know, there's an illustrator, 3D animator called Jack Sachs. Um, he came in as like some form of like, I don't know if it was like a mentorship program or something, but he came in and ran a few sessions with uh, a few of us in my year. And he just like told a story about how it took him like a while after school to start like drawing the things that he wanted to actually draw. So I kind of followed that advice for a bit and kind of spent almost like a year in a studio. And I was in there like on the weekends when I was doing my cafe job and kind of just did whatever came up in my head and kind of just drew it and made it, um, played around with some ceramics and stuff and kind of just wanted to figure out what I wanted to do outside of the context of getting grades from tutors and trying to like please other people with your work and trying to just please yourself, I guess. Yeah. So I guess I kind of just took some time focusing on that and eventually like work just started like coming in from people noticing the work I was just naturally doing for myself. So where were you sharing that? How were they seeing it? Uh, just Instagram, to be honest. As many issues as I have with social media now, uh, I do have a lot to owe for like Instagram as a platform. I don't think it's as easy today to start a career like that. But for me at the time, this is now like eight years ago, it was quite um, helpful. Yeah. So were you posting regularly? Were you like being deliberate about it, I guess? Um, I didn't think too much about it, but I was in quite like a high production period of my life. So I guess I was like posting like every day almost for quite a long time, um, which became a little bit obsessive towards uh, the end. And now I don't really do that anymore because it's not really like good for uh, my mental health. (laughs) And ceramics as well, you said. Yeah. So I I managed a pottery cafe um, as I was studying and like after. So that was like my cafe job. So I was like using their kiln to like fire some ceramics after school. And it was just something I got into because I was doing a lot of work on the computer when I was studying and I was kind of like fed up with sitting in front of a screen all the time. So I kind of started making these ceramics just to get away from that. Um, But then it kind of happened that ceramics took up quite a big part of my life for uh, a bit because I got like a big commission from Liberty London after like a year of graduating. So then I kind of spent like six months or more kind of only doing ceramics as well which was also like a interesting experience but also very like bad in many ways 
because I went from being like a self-producing person to then having to like employ assistants and like becoming this like production house because they ordered like so much uh, of me and I wasn't really like prepared for that to like happen that quickly so that was like a, a bit of like a good experience but also very very bad in many ways because I burnt myself out quite severely after whoa um because I was going to say like who who were those first clients approaching you so Liberty is probably known in quite a lot of countries around the world but it it's like a big London um it sort of famous department store right yes and so somebody from there saw your ceramics on Instagram and commissioned you yes wow um I think it happens more often than people might think because I think that's how they kind of like get a lot of like new uh, people in there. But then it's the difficulty when they speak to someone who's like an individual maker as if they're like a brand, which doesn't Mm -hmm. really work um, because you can't really apply the same mentality to a single person to as you do to like a, a big brand, like I don't know if you would order something from like Adidas or like a, yeah. like a more like known, like homeware brand that has like a factory that they make things in. I was just making things from my like Southeast London studio. So it's kind of, it was a bit of a different vibe, but they were just like, yeah, do this, do this. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah. <laughs> so like if that opportunity were to come around again, I, I would say no to it. Oh, really? <laughs> I would say no to it, yeah. Especially now, I do, like, more things that make me a bit more happy than, like, mass producing of, like, ceramics. Um, so now I, like, run my youth group and I have my illustration practice and I also, like, teach illustration at university. So I kind of have a few more things to, like, give me more joy because they're not as, like, repetitive as, like, making the same mug a hundred times, if that makes sense. It's interesting. Yeah. So it's not just about, I guess, the stability of a big job or the money of a big job. It's about spreading it out and enjoying what you do. Yeah, I think I I have, I I get quite bored quite quickly because my attention span isn't that long. So if I like do the same thing too many times, I probably just naturally will want to switch and do something else. I don't just get like stuck in that like rut. Um, so normally I would go in between like doing illustration work, ceramic work, and then like education work and it kind of bounces off each other to help my like mind feel a bit more like nourished, I guess, or like inspired. Yeah. And so how did the illustration work take off? Like it wasn't like, uh, Harrod suddenly ordered 60,000 tea towels. No, that was a bit more like a slow run, I think. And it kind of just happened gradually. But I was still quite like, even when I was doing my ceramics, I was still quite productive and like doing these like little mini comics or I was just doing uh, simple, just like drawings of people or sceneries and things like that. I probably wouldn't say that my illustration career became more stable until maybe last year or like during when the lockdowns happened, I think. Mm-hmm. Because I still, I'd got illustration work here and there. And I usually would like ask like a queer person, I normally would get like a big commission doing like pride um, because it's like tokenism because they, that's when they need the gay illustrator to come out of his like little dungeon and like draw something for them. And then they ignore you for the rest of the year. But since lockdown happened, I got like quite a lot more like stable 
income and I got an agent last year which was helpful as well uh in regards to like someone arguing for like being paid properly and stuff like that as well so I think the past like two years have been quite like good for just my illustration work and it's allowed me to do like a bit more big things like that because I think before that I would only get like big jobs during like June which is pride month and did you go out to get an agent or did they come to you um, I was hassling her for since I graduated, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> which will be really funny if she listens to this because we have a good relationship now. But I was just like very like keen of working with someone from that agency. But then she ended up starting her own agency uh, last year, and she asked me if I wanted to come aboard because she thought I was like ready for it then, which felt really good. It was quite like a affirming uh, moment for me, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, but that, um, I don't want to say rejection, that, well, yeah, okay, that, but that initial rejection didn't put you off at all? Not really. I guess, like, you know, you were fresh out of uni. Uh, I wasn't really sure what direction I was going in myself either. Um, and when I do look at my illustration work from back then compared to now, like, my work is, like, way more confident <laughs> than it used to be. Mm. So I kind of, like, see that sometimes it's good to just, like, meet people and then, if you need more time to like either just work on your own practice and figure out what you want to do, then I think that's a good thing. Um, and just getting a rejection first doesn't mean that they don't want to hear from you in the future. So I think that might be like a good advice for people, to be honest. I mean, you mentioned being ignored the rest of the year outside Pride, but for that to happen, that must have meant that you were perhaps right from the start putting yourself out there to create... I guess the artwork that people would see now if they go to your website, for example, which sh shows your, your values, I guess. Mm. No, I guess I've been quite focused on like, I mean, I've done quite a lot of like work with community projects and uh, um, I did quite a lot of like work with uh, the Outside Project, which is like the UK's first uh, LGBTQIA plus uh, homeless shelter. And I've done a lot of like posters for club nights and venues that are like queer venues and queer club nights here in London. Um, so that was quite like a, a big like part of my income in regards to illustration, just doing posters for events for people. And eventually that also like leads to bigger jobs. But I, I, I've done quite a lot, like more like, I don't know how you describe it. I, I wouldn't say like internet projects, but like with just like people that I've met in person here through like just networking within the queer community and people tell their friends about the work that I do. And like, sometimes it's for like charity events and sometimes it's for like bigger things. And like, I guess like those kinds of things were meant that I got like a little bit of a reputation in the night scene or like nightlife here. Mm. Uh, and I've gotten like other jobs via that because people went to those venues, saw the poster, and they were like, oh, who made this? And then they contacted me because of that. So it was quite, like, good exposure to having all these, like, posters just, like, plastered all over, like, East London so people could see them. So I guess that's, like, kind of, like, how I was, like, maintaining my illustration practice in, a, in like, a commercial sense uh, since I was graduating as well. Is there ever sort of, like, a dilemma or a, an issue where you know like how sometimes we get approached and it's like oh can you do this for free or there's almost this can you do it for free hanging over you because you know it's a good cause or it's something you believe mm. in like how do you address that when it shows up I think 
what, when you're like out of school and you, you might not really know like systems of power and how all of that works and like do you know if a grassroots organization reaches out to me and asks me to do like a poster I would probably be the first person to say yes and do it for nothing um, if it's something that I believe in but if it would be like a sports club for like straight people I wouldn't give a shit because I'm like I don't really care for this like I'd rather than just work on my own stuff but if it's like a queer organization that reaches out to me, I'm more than happy to like give discounts or talk about what budgets they have. Um, but then if you work with like a bigger like queer charity, they have money because they have funding, so they should pay you properly. So it's like things like that you take start to take into account and you learn more and more and you kind of know when people are kind of trying to take the piss and trying to like see what they can get out of you instead of just being upfront with their budget. So now I think like, when if people say that they want to do for free I make quite like a like hard cut on like what I would be prepared to do and how much I would be prepared to do for free um and then if people want to pay me I usually just like just tell me what the budget is and I can tell you what I can do for that money rather than you having like a back and forth with me it just goes quicker that way I feel yeah and what would you say you know you said like things sort of picked up during the lockdowns over the mm. last couple of years was there anything in particular that happened because <laughs> actually you also said you got lots of work out of you know designing posters for you know nightclubs or whatever and clearly that sort of stuff wasn't happening so yeah i think i had quite like a bit of a chaotic start to the lockdowns and stuff because i kind of like all of my like teaching jobs kind of disappeared um i wasn't really sure what was going to happen so I kind of like didn't really have any income at the start of like the first lockdown. So I kind of just posted on Instagram, like, does anyone want like a cheap digital portrait? Um, and then I kind of drew like hundreds of these portraits for people, <laughs> which ended up like then becoming like how I would like sustain myself for a while. So I, I just drew portraits for like a really like a while, a couple of months there. Um, and then Pride Month came and I got like, because kind of like rewinding so when the lockdown happened as well a few of my friends started this night called queer house party which was like one of the like first like online on zoom like club nights for like Mm -hmm. queer people and I was doing their illustration work as well so I got quite like I got noticed quite well for doing their work and doing these portraits that I were doing and I got quite a lot of things from that if that makes sense Mm. So that is kind of something that kind of like spiraled into this like quite a lot of attention that I wasn't really prepared for because I didn't really think it was going to lead anywhere. But now, I mean, I've been working with Queer House Party now since then uh, and I've gotten like other jobs by people going to those events and seeing those illustrations and like, and via the portraits as well, like someone that bought a portrait for their friend, maybe their like friend worked somewhere and they wanted to employ me to do something for their company or people would just see them on Instagram and be like, hey, we like that. Like, you should do something like that for us. Like, So cool. Is it like a snowball effect? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And then the youth group that I run now also kind of started in that period. And that's also kind of grown really quickly. And now that's also like a we're funded by Arts Council now. And we run like weekly sessions. So that's also like something that kind of grew out of it. So like, I guess after like a year of lockdowns, I was probably like more financially stable than I've been since I graduated. (laughs) (laughs) And the youth group, is that the Queer Youth Art Collective? Yes, exactly. So how did you 
get into starting that? I'm trying to remember what year solo this is, but um, I did quite a lot of work for Camden Arts Centre um, before lockdown. I think I started in 2018 running their like uh, families program and then I moved on to their like youth group that they do on Saturdays. And that's like a general youth group where they did all of these like amazing art things. But we kind of like me and my colleague Leticia were working there together, both queer people also kind of noticing that there's like something that a general art group can't really provide for like young queer people that want to develop their art because there's a lot of things that topics that queer people want to discuss in regards to just like body sexuality politics that in a room full of like potentially straight people who don't understand where you then have to justify all these things it doesn't really necessarily feel quite safe so I had kind of done a few workshops with this group based in Hackney called Indigo, which is like a mental health uh, group for young LGBT people based in Hackney or like uh, surrounding areas. And there I met this art therapist named Susie Langsdale. Um, so I kind of reached out to them and we kind of decided to start this group together. So we ran a pilot of it in 2019, which was just this like, initial thing where we just invited a bunch of young people and artists to come and tell us what they think that group should be so it wouldn't just be our voices deciding what people needed and then after that pilot we had all these like big plans of what was going to happen but then covid happened and everything kind of like fell apart but then i kind of just saw that there was like an opportunity to take it online because there was people just being stuck at home needing something to do Mm. Um, so I got like a little small pot of money from this organization called Homotopia, uh, who had advertised that they were like seeking applications for like, uh, these grants that they were given out in response to COVID. So I got that and then I kind of just started running it online, uh, from home on zoom. And at the start, it was just me, uh, and this artist named Mira who kind of joined us as well. Uh, Mira Shakti Osborne fused our resources a little bit and like ran this group from I think April to July and then it kind of just took off from there and uh, my friend Dex came on board and started helping me writing funding bids because we saw that there was like quite a big need for this group uh and now we have like we're in our like the end of our like first funded year by Arts Council where we now run sessions in person and online at the same time. So people can join from Zoom or they can come to our London space where we have like free art supplies. So it's kind of, yeah, also snowball effect there, I feel. Yeah. But it's like, I wouldn't have been able to like maintain it if I didn't get all of the support from like people like Dex or the people that we work with. We have a long list of like artists that run workshops with us now. And all of the young people that come to tell us what they want as well that we kind of like listen to and do our best to like, please <laughs> oh man i love it and also it's interesting about like sometimes or maybe you do some, <laughs> certainly i don't necessarily think oh here's here's an idea and you feel like it all has to be on your own back when in fact you can collaborate and you can also seek out like there's groups out there who have money to help with these kind of things yeah but then like applications and stuff is a bit you know, excluding English isn't my first language and academic English is definitely not something that I have like to my disposal, which is why I needed someone else to do that for me. So it's all this like thing about when you do collaborations with people, it's about filling in the gaps, um, seeing what you can do for other people. And that's kind of how I view when I work with grassroots organizations as an illustrator. 
I see like what I can do for them with the tool of like the art that I make. How can I help them get their like message across or uh, boost it or like what it's like, what can I be of use for that they can't do themselves? And that's kind of like how you should operate um, in groups, I feel. Love Fred so much. Okay, more from him in a moment. But just want to take a second to say thank you to Ahrefs for supporting Being Freelance this season as well. Do you want more Google traffic? Are you struggling to rank and not sure what to do about it? Then check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. It's free. Basically, it audits your website and then prioritizes the needed changes to improve your search rankings. I've been using it on beingfreelance.com and this week it was telling me about the missing meta tags and H1 tags or where my alt text was too long. And if, like me, you're thinking, what? (laughs) What does any of that mean? That's okay because it tells you how to fix it. And if the whole idea of getting Google to work for you, SEO, sounds confusing, Ahrefs also offers helpful tutorials on search engine optimization. Don't leave this stuff to chance. Visit ahrefs.com slash awt and get this free tool working for you today. There's a link in the show notes as well. That's ahrefs.com slash awt. Ahrefs is spelled A-H-R-E-F-S. Thanks to Ahrefs for their support. Right now, though, let's get back to our chat with Freda. And so how do you like divide up your time whether it's your day or your week between all of these things is it your logistical mind working wonders uh not really i think i do have a tendency to work a bit too much more than i should um but (laughs) thanks to a lot of like good friends now i'm getting a bit better at setting boundaries for when that happens um so at the moment i run the youth group on like a sunday which means that i like force myself to take at least like one day off in the week as well because i don't get like a full week and and I just like, make sure that I like take days off and don't work, which means that nowadays I don't post every day on Instagram because I just need time to like not do that and like do something else. I have a, a little bit of a tendency to like anything that I start as a creative project becomes like, well, a project and not just like a hobby. So I'm trying to like teach myself to like restrain myself a little bit more with that which works well sometimes and sometimes I kind of lose control and just like, I don't know, like just go into it without thinking and you just like have so much energy and you can't really stop yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's that same force though, which also creates all the good stuff too. Yeah, I think so. Like, but I think it's good to acknowledge that like, it's okay to take breaks. Um, You don't need to be seen at all times like you don't need to be like that active. You can just like take a holiday from all of those things if you need to and just focus on yourself. Like obviously now I'm in a very like privileged position where I have stable jobs, which means that's like more easy for me to do now than it was when I was only like working on the back of my like freelance work. So, you know, every, it's like you need to take that with like a pinch of salt because not everyone has the luxury of doing that, I guess. Of stepping away from social media. Yeah, yeah. I definitely felt I was like forced to be on there quite a lot because if I didn't like check my messages and stuff, I might lose out on potential work. Or if I didn't post that particular day, maybe a person wouldn't see it that could potentially give me work. But now I have a bit more like a relaxed relationship to that entire like exposure mindset. And how have you got better at setting boundaries? I think I just decide to okay today is not a work day 
and then I might like do a little sketch if I feel like it, but only if it's like something that I want to do and it makes me happy. Like, cause I, I love drawing. Like I, I always love drawing. Like it's hard to say that, oh, you shouldn't draw today because drawing is work if there's something that you really want to do. But like you go on walks, you do other things, exercise, uh, read comics, play video games, like whatever you need to do to just like not focus on like showing yourself off for like other potential clients or people. Mm. And you have a shop as well which i as we record this i see but it's on pause but uh, as an income stream you have a shop as well right yeah i stopped doing that uh for the past um i think i haven't really done a popular shop release since christmas 2020 so when you say a release so you tended to create one thing and then yeah. push that I, out and then stop again yeah i used to like make batches of ceramics that i then like posted on my etsy so people could buy them and then i would make another batch or i would make a batch and take it to a market but now because i've been quite busy like from september to december i had quite a lot of illustration work in all kinds of different projects and then together with my teaching and my youth work then I didn't really have time to make any ceramics and it was quite nice to take a break from just like answering messages on Etsy and going to the post office. Because <laughs> um, normally I would rely on the fact that Christmas was a period but I needed to like produce a lot of ceramics to sell to people because it's one of the most like financially sound times to sell work. But this year I kind of skipped it and it was really nice to do that. <laughs> Um, so now I'm kind of like slowly starting to make ceramics again for myself but I will see if I make that into like a shop release or if I just like I don't really know what I'm going to do with it Um, yeah Yeah, it sounds like quite a nice place to be to be able to not feel like you're beholden to it yeah beholden i never used that word i pulled that out (laughs) i think it's quite important for like anyone who's a freelance creative to have some form of thing that you can kind of choose what to do with and when so it's kind of your thing um this is why i don't really like take commissions for ceramics anymore because i'd rather just make the ceramics that i want to make and then if people want to buy them they want to buy them but then i'm not gonna like take a special commission um because i don't really need to at the moment which again is a very privileged position to be in um even though i have worked really hard to be here but it's like i'm very lucky to have that and actually, when it comes to certain jobs and like working with your values, would you say that that has um, like deciding to focus on actually this is what I want to put out into the world mm. has helped your business grow? Um, I think in regards to like thinking about politics and ethics, I definitely haven't made as much money as I probably could have. Because if you think about it's the same thing I mentioned earlier about like be tokenism as a queer person. And I'm pretty outspoken about like my politics on my Instagram and with what I repost and sometimes when what I draw as well. Um, and I guess there is like, uh, this isn't me like shit talking about like other illustrators or whatever, but there obviously there is like a type of artist on social media that doesn't really engage with those things and kind of just focus on like a craft of drawing things that are like nice to look at, look beautiful, like engaging movement and like mark making, but it doesn't really like tap into any like pools of politics or ethics or opinions that are like too um, like radical. 
not saying that I'm like a very radical person because I'm pretty vanilla in the circuit of friends that I hang out with, I would say. <laughs> but like, I do think that is something that has meant that a lot of clients would look at my work and think, oh, he's the person that does those kinds of things. We can only use him for those kinds of things. And I feel like I, I used to feel a bit bad about that when I was younger, but now I don't really care because the paths that have opened up to me because I've done that work and like focus on those things are things that leave me feeling more fulfilled than it would mm. doing an advertisement for like Coca-Cola, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's really interesting. And it's the same with, I guess, like making merch as an illustrator to take to markets. Like I don't really make clothes or pins and things like that because all of these things are like made in factories and not a lot of people can kind of like confirm what working relationships are or how much people are being paid and like finding someone to make anything within the UK that isn't just like plastic based stuff I don't really like engage with that kind of production either so therefore it's like that's why I make my ceramics and obviously ceramics has like a different way of looking at like carbon footprints and like mining of the planet but at least it's like a bit more contained and I know who like makes the piece and stuff like that so I feel like I have a bit more control over that kind of thing yeah now Fred I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true and one yes. a lie and let me figure out the lie what do you have for me <laughs> I landed on these three and that is um a famous Hollywood star bought a piece of my work and a pop star once tried to ask me out by buying one of my ceramics. And uh, my graduation piece was shown all over London. Oh, these are good. Okay, so what was your graduation piece that was shown all over London? So my graduation piece was the series of illustrations that were a part of Creator Reviews, like graduate spotlight uh, program that was shown on like advertisement screens all over London during the summer. Oh, cool. So what, did the college or university or whatever, like, hired the screens? No, it was Creative Review that, like, just noticed oh, the work Creative I'd done. Review, the yeah, magazine. So the, the magazine Creative Review. They, like, just saw the work that I'd done. I, think, I don't know if one of their, like, people had been to my graduation exhibition or if they'd just seen the illustration on Instagram. I'm not too sure, but they had, like, noticed it and wanted to, like, include it in their, like, uh, marketing program. Oh, that sounds plausible, especially because under interrogation, you were firm. <laughs> um, okay, so a Hollywood star has bought one of your ceramics. Yes, they are very famous for um, a franchise that revolves around pirates. <laughs> and have you met them? Have you seen a picture of them with it or, or was it you were printing out the sticky label and went oh that person the person that sold the piece for me gave me a very detailed description on how the purchase uh, went down and a pop star tried to chat you up or ask you out by buying one of your ceramics mm. i don't know when you go for a customer service channel on etsy that's one heck of a <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thing to come out of it rather than where's my delivery how 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 did they yeah how did that play out oh it just slipped into my dms and did anything no i didn't have the piece that they wanted those words play out in so many ways um <laughs> i'm gonna say creative review is true as in the the 
you know the advertising boards all over London. I love the idea of a pop star sliding into your DMs. So I'm gonna say it's the Hol- the Hollywood star is the lie. Oh, no. Sadly, the Hollywood star is the the truth um, in this. Johnny Depp came to an art fair in Los Angeles where he bought one of these, like, plates that has an illustrated butt on it that I made quite many of. Um, and he apparently just walked up and said, like, oh, it's nice. I want this. Um, I'll have this. Um so that's like a funny story, even though wow. obviously there's a lot of like weird news around him or whatever, but yeah. it's just like a funny story. And the bit about the pop star is not true. But oh. uh, well, Will Young did write to me on Instagram once asking me if he could buy one of the urns that I'd made, but I sadly didn't have it. Oh. Um, but I don't, I don't think that he was asking me out. <laughs> That is so good. Uh, well, I'm happy to lose that one. Uh, <laughs> excellent. Now, Fred, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Mm. Often when I speak to younger people in general now, I'm always scared I'm going to sound like a freaking pessimist um, and be <laughs> like, don't do this. Like, Because if, if my younger self could see what I do now, they would be like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe that's like what you did because when I was like a teenager I didn't really believe in my illustrations uh I grew up in a place where people don't really like see that as like a possible career outcome so I guess I took a lot of risks in just like kind of going against that at that age and just like seeing what would happen so I guess like I would just tell myself like you know you're doing the right thing is going to like put you in a position where you can't believe like the kind of things you're going to be included in working with and the people you get to like collaborate with because as much as I do complain about like things like burning out or you know people not paying you fairly and things like that like you know it's been really hard work and like maybe that wasn't like the healthiest thing at certain points in my life but I have learned so much from it and I am extremely proud of the things that I've achieved and the people that I get to work with. And like, especially now with the youth group that I run, uh, that is like such a, like a, a, an amazing thing that I get to be a part of. And like, you know, I get introduced to all of these like crazy, amazing, beautiful ideas every week when we like meet up. So I would just say you have a lot to look forward to, but just be, um, careful and make sure you feed yourself and uh don't work too much (laughs) (laughs) you mentioned burnout uh, yeah a a couple of times how do you avoid it now i think i if i get the feeling that i'm like getting close to that i kind of take the rest of the day off zone out um at the moment i'm playing the new pokemon game um like that's something you can kind of like do and focus on or I go for a walk hang out with friends um might draw uh but I will draw for myself um I won't touch any work I won't answer any emails um or I will just postpone certain commissions and ask oh can I get an extended deadline because most of the time people say yes that's fine of course you can recognize it coming now yeah yeah I definitely don't have the same tolerance for stress that I did when I was like 26 now. So I can kind of like, there's a little tingle in your stomach and you're like, oh no, wait, uh, maybe 
I need a break now. <laughs> like maybe I just need to ask for some more time to do this so I can like rest up or, yeah. and yeah, I guess it's like when you start off, it's kind of hard to ask for those things because you don't know what's going to happen. If people are going to think that you're like weak or not capable, but in reality, like everyone has moments like that and like deadlines are just made up dates and they don't actually mean anything because that's kind of like the truth any deadline that anyone sets you is just like a made-up figure and it might be for like a historical date or event but even if that's like the case like it's all of it it's just it's just in people's minds like deadlines that doesn't exist really um in that sense yeah i love that it feels like the there's an importance in community as well to you yeah because I started my illustration career drawing all of these like posters for club nights and stuff. And like, you know, people were paying me. Um, it wasn't like, it's not these like high budget commercial projects, but like the venues of East London and just London in general, like they have employed me or the people that run events that have employed me. They sustained my life for a good couple of years. Um, and I have a lot to thank for that. So it would be weird of me to capitalize on queer culture in that way and not try to like give anything back. Because if you're a queer artist that does a lot of work around like queerness and identity and you get these like high paid jobs, like I took a job from WhatsApp um, for Pride last year, uh, which was like a really well paid job. But then if I would have taken that and not engaged with the community myself at all, then I felt I think that would have made me feel quite shit about myself. Yeah. Freda, it's been so good to to talk to you, and it's and it's interesting actually. You know, you know, like that whole you do one thing and there's like a knock. Like you were just, for example, doing in lockdown digital portraits, which sustained you, but also mm. that knock on effect of who knows where they're going to end up and who might see your work. And it was one of those portraits in lockdown. I'm pretty sure that then got mentioned on the Homo Sapiens podcast. Yes, which, exactly which I happened to be editing and then went, oh, I'm going to check out their work. And so off I went um, that's down, so funny. down that rabbit hole. But that's how, yeah, it's lovely how these things work. So, yeah, really great to, talking to you. Obviously, as for all of our guests, go to beingfreelance.com, check out Freda's work and links through to the website. Uh, see for ceramics, which sadly you might have to wait a long time to ever be able to buy again. <laughs> they are so cool. Uh, I you. love them. So, yeah, uh, you can check out all the images, uh, follow on Instagram, say hi. And also, of course, links through to the Queer Youth Art Collective as well, which sounds uh, amazing. Congratulations on what you're doing with that so that's all at beingfreelance.com but for now freda thank you so much and all the best with being freelance cool thank you so much thank you for having me so there goes freda and as i mentioned i discovered him because of the homo sapiens podcast which i edit uh, there was just a mention to him and his portraits and if you are part of the lgbtq plus community or for that matter if you're not because i'm not <laughs> I still love listening to it. I hugely recommend it. You're listening to this, right? You must like podcasts while you've got your app open. If you've not heard it before, there's so many episodes because it's been around for years. 
do yourself a favour and listen to Homo Sapiens as well. Uh, Being Freelance is made by me, Steve Folland. I edit podcasts and videos for a living and this is something I do on the side. If Being Freelance makes a difference to you, please do support it by going to beingfreelance.com slash coffee where you can top up my virtual biscuit tin. Basically make a donation either as a one-off or on a monthly basis. If, you know, it's been helping you a long time, you can support it long time as well. Long time? Long term? Probably works better. Hey, listen, I'm out of here. You have a great week being freelance. Thank you.